0: Amen. Well, tonight I get to talk with you guys about vision and mission. I love talking about this kind of stuff. This is the stuff that gets me really, really excited because I love to look at a situation that is and see how it can be something better. I love to be able to look at what we are as a church. I think God's doing a lot, but I love to be able to say, man, imagine if this. Imagine if we took that next step. Imagine if God could take us to that next place. And I just want to tell you up front that some of you guys are visiting from other churches. Some of you guys, this isn't home for you, but uh, our vision here is very personal. So if you're thinking, oh, Doug's going to talk about this church, Doug's going to talk about the vision, maybe you're even a member of our church and you're saying, you know, Doug, when you talk about vision and mission, it feels like decisions that you guys make on the staff and then you guys kind of just carry that all out and we're just kind of here sitting, sitting here listening. What I want to tell you about our vision and our mission is it's really very personal. Our vision and mission isn't about a bunch of us who have made a nice little statement and then put it up on a plaque on the wall, and we hope to run things that way. It's all about you guys grabbing a hold of the vision and the mission, and you living it out, and then that changing Long Island, okay? So whether you're from this church or not, I think tonight you can be impacted as I talk about our vision and mission. I talked to the guy on the way out after the six, and he said, man, you know, I know he lives in Queens, and he he goes to another church, but you say, man, I'm going to carry some of that back to my church because I, I feel like it's challenging and it can really make a difference. And so we're excited to just kind of talk about what God's called us to, and that involves every single one of you guys, all right? So this is a big deal. And I'm excited. Vision brings me to life when I see something that's Sort of okay, get better, something great, become amazing. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, if you were to drive from here to my house on my drive home with me, I hope you wouldn't be driving home with me. But if, if uh, I, I like y'all, but it's weird. But uh, as I'm driving home, there's this really nice housing development on 347, beautiful homes, and I've been driving by this housing development for a couple of years now, and one of the things that, that stuck, stuck out to me was, man, why, why did they spend all this money on this beautiful housing development and then it's like right so close to 347? There's no separation. There's no privacy for these people. And I was losing sleep over it, man. It had me upset. And so uh, one day I'm, I'm driving past and I see that they're starting to build a wall. And I was like, this is awesome. So a visionary came along and said, this could be better. So they started building this wall. And this is back in last fall, right? So then... I'm driving by the wall. I'm happy that the wall's there because a little more privacy. But then I'm realizing that the wall's really ugly. You know, there's holes in it. It doesn't match the wall that leads to the entrance of this beautiful development. And I start thinking to myself, where's the visionary that's gonna take this wall to the next level, that's gonna fill in the cracks, gonna paint it, make it look nice every day for you know, the whole fall and the whole winter and the beginning of spring, I'm thinking this. Then one day, a few weeks ago, I'm driving by the beautiful development there with my family, and all of a sudden, I just screamed out. I, like, literally, you could ask my wife. I was like, yes! And everyone in the car, like, looks up at me. They're all excited, like, what just happened? They're thinking, I'm saying, we're driving to Disney World right now. Surprise, you know, like, <laughs> we got a lifetime supply of Dr. Pepper given to us, you know, like, the, you know, but, but all I said was, they're painting the wall. And everyone just looked at me, like, what are you talking about? And and it's like, dad, you're so stupid. You know, back, back to her game, you know? And, and so I was pumped, though, because a visionary said, that could be better, that could be better. And then, and then it happened, right? Last week, driving by the wall, looks good, painted, matches, wonderful. But now there's a team of people out there putting shrubs in, mulch, trees, and I didn't even speak. I, I just raised my hand in honor of the visionary who carried this out. I was so excited and so happy, and so every time I, I drive by that wall, ever since, I yeah, that's right, that's right, you know. And you know, I I, I tell you something about the, the visionary behind that project, the guy who was in charge. He had to do something. He had to keep his his team on course for for finishing that wall. You know, I don't know why they stopped working on it in the fall. Maybe they ran out of money. Maybe because the hurricane hit and everything went crazy. They they weren't able to do stuff over the Christmas, you know, over the winter months. I don't know what happened, but I'll tell you, all winter long. His job was to say, we're going to get back to that wall. We're going to paint it. We're going to fix it. We're going to get some mulch out there. We're going to put some trees up. We're going to do this. And he had to recast the vision. I can guarantee you. I don't know the guy, but I can guarantee you that was a part of his job. We're going to stay on course. We're not going to just let it be the ugly gray wall that it is. We're going to get back to it, and we're going to fix it make it what it could be. And that's the job of a leader. So today, I get to say, all right, here's the vision of our church. Here's the mission of our church now, some of you guys may feel like you've heard some of this before, especially if you're on one of our teams, you've heard some of this before. But I'll tell you what, it's important that you've heard it before, and it's important that you hear it again, because the truth is about vision, that vision leaks. Somebody really brilliant once said that. Vision leaks. What I mean by that is somebody will get on stage and say, here's what we're about, here's what God's called us to, here's what we think could happen on Long Island, and we get excited, and then three months down the road, it's like the vision has started to kind of leak through the cracks of our hearts a little bit, right? Right? And then we get a little bit off course from what God has for us. And then it gets a little bit further down the road, six months out, and the same thing happens. And as time goes on, we tend to drift from what God has for us because vision tends to leak. When my dad was a youth pastor a long time ago, he would play this game with the kids in his youth group. I was just a kid at this, at this age of my life. I remember him doing this. He had a, a relay race, right? Which a relay race is basically you have two teams, right? And they line up on one side of a field next to each other. And then on the other end, they have to go do something. So what he had them do is he he gave them a coffee can. They had to run down to the other side of the field, scoop water out of a bucket, right? And then they had to go with the water over their head back to a bucket here, fill it up, and then hand it off to the next person. And it was this big race to two teams. This is what we did before iPods, guys. All right, anyway. uh, And so I see what you missed. Uh, And so this is what was going on. The, The funny thing was, that some kids figured out like, okay, since I have to carry it over my head, like some kids were just idiots and they just ran they're like, why am I getting wet? And it's, you know, coming all over the sides, you know, and they're soaked. But then they're, they're smart kids. They realized that if they walk with it over their head, not only would they not get wet, but they would also be able to fill up their bucket with more water every time they went, even though they were going slower. But something interesting happened. You see, you had the crazy kids who were getting all soaked, and then you had the other kids who were being really careful. But everyone was getting wet. And we couldn't figure it out. Why is everyone getting wet? And we looked over at my dad and the youth leaders, and they're all laughing at us. And we're looking at them. Why, why are you laughing? And Why are we getting wet? And then we realized that they had drilled holes in the bottom of the coffee can. <laughs> so everyone was going to get wet. Because no matter how careful you were, that water was going to leak. And I'll tell you, I've been on staff here for about 12 years. And I've noticed something. That no matter how careful we are as a church, that our vision tends to leak. Even in the hearts of, our, of us as leadership the vision tends to leak. And I think there's a bunch of reasons why that can happen. One is routine. We just begin to fall in love with the way we do stuff, right? We like doing stuff this way. So it's almost like we come to church and we're just on autopilot and we do what we've always done. And then we leave and we don't really know if we accomplished anything, but man, we sure did church today, right? But it was just routine. And so we tend to drift from what God has for us. If you're from another church, this may be true for you, right? And so, you know, take this with you if this isn't your home church. Busyness, sometimes we just, we're all too busy serving God to actually serve him, right? To actually do what he wants us to do. And so just the busyness can kind of knock down vision, distraction, sometimes we think of a good idea or someone comes to us with a good idea, but as long as it's not an idea that furthers our vision and our mission, it's not a good idea, right? And we've learned that the hard way sometimes. Like, do this, awesome, we put all this energy in. It's like, it's not helping us accomplish what God has for us, so we gotta cut it. Uh, Comparison. Sometimes you look at another church. You're like, "Oh my gosh, that church is like saving babies from alligators in in Africa, and we got to do that." And you know, so you get the saving babies from Africa team together, and 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 you haven't saved any babies, and and you realize this isn't working well. And so you say, "All right, that's their ministry. Let's focus on what God has." Right? Sometimes it's just about laziness and being too comfortable. Right? It's it's easy to maintain how we do church. You know, it's said a lot of churches. I've seen this, man. It's like if the room is full and the bills are paid then that's the measure of we're doing what we need to do. But wait a minute, just because the room's full and maybe some bills are paid, aren't there still a lot of people that don't know God? Aren't there still a lot of things to do here on Long Island that we need to be focused on? And so I think it's super important that we don't let the vision leak. And so it's my job to be able to get up and say, all right, guys, we're not gonna get distracted from what God has for us. We're not gonna look away from what God has for us. And so tonight, I wanna talk with you guys about our vision and our mission. If you're on one of our teams You hear me talk about this a lot. And I think it's good that some of you have heard this before. Um, If you've been here for more than a year, you've heard a little bit about this. But I think it's good you're gonna hear about it again for a couple reasons. Number one, because you and I need to be reminded. I need to be reminded about our vision and mission. Sometimes I sit and look at it, I'm like, man, I'm off here. I gotta get back on. I gotta get myself back on track with what God's called us to. And I think you need to hear that too. Another reason is because you're not the same you as the last time you heard this, right? A lot of you guys have changed. A lot of you guys are in a different place in your life than the last time you heard me talk about this. And so your response to it should be different. You should be able to get closer to God as a result of it. You should be able to grow in certain ways that you couldn't last time because you weren't at the place you are right now, right? I think there's a lot of reasons why it's a healthy thing for you guys to hear this Again, but the one that gets me most excited is that there's some awesome new opportunities that just simply weren't there the last time you heard me talk about this kind of stuff. Some really, really, really cool things that we can move forward and accomplish together. So for those reasons, I'm excited. If you've heard me talk a little bit about this before, I'm excited you're hearing it again. If you've never heard this before, if you haven't been in this church for the last year and you're not on one of our teams, then a lot of this is gonna be new to you. And I think that's great because you're gonna get to hear what makes us tick. And like I said, our vision is very portable. So if you don't go to this church or if you're new to our church, this really matters to you as a person, okay? This isn't just about this broad vision overall for our church. This really boils down to a personal level. So what's our mission and our vision? Well, we're gonna look at a few verses in the Bible tonight where we get our mission and our vision. And it all goes back to a conversation, okay? There's this guy named Matthew, And Matthew, some of you guys know, was a follower of Jesus. He was one of the 12 disciples. He's also the guy who wrote the book of Matthew. And so we have his eyewitness account of all these things that Jesus did. Eventually, Matthew would give his life for his faith in Jesus and him saying that Jesus had risen back from the dead. And so Matthew we know is kind of like, wow, he's kind of a big deal. Like if Matthew walked in the room tonight, first of all, it'd be a little creepy. But secondly, we'd all want to talk to him and be like, wow, you saw Jesus do what? That's incredible. How did this happen? And what did it look like when? And, and so the thing is, though, we all know Matthew as like the superstar. The crazy thing is he wasn't always a superstar. There was a beginning point for Matthew. And Matthew's first encounter with Jesus is where we get some of our vision. And his last encounter with Jesus is where we get the second half of our vision. So we're gonna look at those two encounters that Matthew had tonight, and then really talk about what this looks like in each of our lives. So Matthew 9, verse 9, says this. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Okay, now, if you've been in church for any amount of time, you've probably heard somebody talk about tax collectors in the first century. If you haven't, I'll let you know what's going on. Tax collectors in the first century were the low of the low, they were hated, they were despised. It was like you had the bad people and then you had tax collectors. And the reason that was is because as long as the tax collectors gave Rome what they owed Rome, they could charge the people whatever they wanted and keep the difference. So basically, they were, they were complete thieves and everybody knew it, but there was nothing anybody could do about it. So Matthew was hated by all these people that he came in contact with, okay? So he's the low of the low, a thief, a low life, going nowhere. And Jesus sees this low life, and look what he says. Follow me. And Matthew got up and followed him. You see, if you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you're struggling. Maybe you're going through some things that are hard in life. Maybe life is tough for you. Maybe there are things you don't understand. Maybe there are things going on in your life that you would say uh, a religious person would never want anything to do with me. God doesn't want anything to do with me. I just feel like God really isn't interested in me because of some of the things I've done, because of some of the mistakes I've made. And yet here's Jesus looking at Matthew, who is way worse than you, way worse than me, and saying, I want you. I want to know you. And I don't want to just know you. I don't want to just talk to you, but I want you to follow me. So Matthew gets up and follows him. And we see in verse 10 something powerful. In verse 10 we see, it says while while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, and this is important, let's hang out on this for a second. Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? You see, here's a big problem in the church at large around the world, is that, man, if we're not careful, we have that same attitude, don't we? It's like people come in who don't believe like us, don't think like us, don't live like us, And we're like shocked and put off, right? And Jesus, here he is just eating with these people who believe nothing like him, look nothing like him, act nothing like him. And so here we see something really powerful about Jesus and he goes on to explain it. He says, on hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. Matthew learned something incredible from Jesus. It was that Jesus really cares about people who don't have a savior. Jesus really cares about people who don't know him. Jesus' heart starts beating quicker around people who need someone to rescue them. And Matthew didn't learn this in a theology class. He learned this because he was the guy who needed rescuing. And so Jesus is there saying, I value you. I know you don't think like me, I know you certainly don't live like me, but I value you, I want you, would you follow me? And Jesus goes and associates with this guy who believes nothing like him and acts nothing like him. And up front here is not saying fix yourself, change, and then we'll welcome you. No, he's saying just follow me. He, he didn't say, Matthew, uh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back, pay back everybody you ripped off. I want you to figure out how you can apologize. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. I want you to promise me you're never, ever going to do that again and then come follow me. And he just looks at this guy who everybody hates and just goes, follow me. And so we learn something big about Jesus, that he really cares for those who don't know him. Next encounter, Matthew has with Jesus, or rather the last one. Matthew lives his life with Jesus for those next several years, sees Jesus put on a cross, put in the grave, raised from the dead, and then Matthew sees Jesus this last time. And this is what Jesus tells him. And we get the second half of our mission and vision from this. Matthew 28, verse 18 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey Jesus everything I've commanded you. So what does Jesus and Matthew's encounter here show us? That Jesus really cares about the saved. Jesus really cares about those who know him. Jesus really wants those who know him to grow in their relationship with him and go deep in their faith and be able to live a life that matters for God. And so Matthew's first encounter with Jesus and his last encounter with Jesus show us this. Jesus really cares about those who don't know him and Jesus really cares about those who do. And so we think that we should be a church that cares about those who don't know them and those who do. We think we should care about both groups because that's who we see Jesus caring for. And so our vision is this, and most of you haven't never heard this before. Only our team members know this specific vision. Our vision is to be a church that unchurched people love to attend and where Christians can grow deep in their faith. We wanna be a church where unchurched people, they, they, they just love to come here. But where Christians also then can grow deep in their faith. Most churches reach one of those two groups really well at the exclusion of the other. And so we see Jesus going, man, I care about both. I want both to be reached. And we believe that's possible. It's hard, but it's possible. And so let's tear apart this vision a little bit. We'll break it down and talk about it. We want to be a church, unchurched people love to attend. That's the first part of that vision. We love you if you're a regular attender. We'll get to that in a second. But I tell you what, our goal is not to keep you happy and make sure you never leave. We don't want you to leave. We think God has so many big things that we're so much better together than apart. But so many churches, once the room is full, have the goal of let's keep everybody happy, let's keep everybody happy. And that's when churches get stuck, right? That's when they stop worrying about all the people outside who don't know God. And so we think it's a big deal to say, yes, we love you, but we're also really about reaching out to those who don't know Jesus. And so we want to keep on doing things in a way that are going to reach them along with reaching you. And so we play a certain style of music in here, don't we, right? We have some moving lights and when we think about communicating our message during the week, when we're writing our messages, uh, we're writing our message to those that we know. Like I specifically have some of you guys in mind as I'm writing a message because I know you're mature in your faith, and I don't want it to be like this, like you know, bait, you know, the Sunday school message. And I got a little flannel board up here, and you're like yawning out there. Okay, no one knows what a flannel board is. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I, I really don't want that to happen to anyone. That would break my heart if you were out there kind of just falling asleep because you just can't receive anything from these messages because they're so dumbed down or they're so basic or they're so you know, kind of just you know, introductory, right? No, I, I really care that you grow, but we'll get to that in a second. But, but along with that, I really care about the person I haven't met yet. I don't know how that works. I don't know how you care about somebody you haven't met yet, but I really care about the person who's walking in for the first time. I want them to walk into church and be like, I don't know about Jesus. I don't know about risen from the dead. I don't know about alive and eternity and all that kind of stuff. But man, I'll go back again because I felt that it was helpful, because I felt that they were genuine, because I felt like if there's a God, it seems like he's maybe doing something in this place. The music was engaging. The atmosphere was friendly. The people seemed to care that I was there. That's really important to us. I think Jesus was like that, don't you? I think people who were nothing like him wanted to be around him. People who didn't even believe like him wanted to be around him. People were engaged by him even if they didn't agree with him. And so we wanna be a place that the unchurched love to come. And so sometimes we'll do something a little crazy, right? Sometimes we'll play a Beatles song or some kind of other song because man, imagine walking into a church where you think nothing's gonna be relatable and suddenly you're just singing along to a song you know and you're like, how did this happen? Like, I didn't see that one coming, right? Sometimes we'll do a game show to introduce a message series. Sometimes on Cinco de Mayo, we may throw some flour tortillas into the crowd. It's a possibility. I'm just saying, right? It did happen two weeks ago. Anyway, um, <laughs> but we are really excited, man, to see people engaging and go, man, I thought this was going to be irrelevant. And I, they, they dragged me there. They promised me dinner. You know, that's why I went in the first place. Half-price Applebee's, they promised me, you know, big spenders. Um, but <laughs> I'll tell you what, I, I want to go back. And I'm really surprised that I want to. And so we'll, we'll do crazy stuff. I had a great conversation with a guy that I'm becoming friends with in these last six months. He came to our Collision Christmas service. And at the Collision Christmas service, we had a great service. And, and uh, the band was awesome as always and stuff. But uh, he said to me that, man, I, I, just, I just couldn't believe when you guys did that special, and what we did, if you weren't here, is we did like a Blue Man Group stomp kind of thing where we had all kinds of drums and drummers and ladders, and we had a drum set on the back riser, and we had this big drum off, and it was just lots of drums, and I could just keep saying drums, and, and uh, the, the band came out, did the little drummer boy at the end, and it was so awesome, and then he goes like this, and this was so funny, he goes, and then when the elf dropped from the ceiling, he's like, I just couldn't believe it, and if you weren't here, we had an elf, our drummer Artie. he's not a real elf by the way, but he dropped from the ceiling, came down, And he said, I'll tell you what, that just totally, totally amazed me. He said, I went home and I told my family, you should have come tonight. You missed out. And he's been back ever since. And I'm seeing him begin to grow in a relationship with Jesus. A guy who I don't think was very interested. In fact, the guy whose girlfriend said she didn't think he was going to like it at all has been back every week. And now she's actually out of town being trained for a couple months and he's still coming without her. And so I think that even when we do something a little crazy and a little bit funny, that man, if we can be engaging to unchurched people, that man, maybe an elf dropping out of the ceiling originally, drawing somebody back could translate into a changed life eventually. And so maybe for some of you guys who are coming here going, man, I don't know about that. Like you saw the elf drive, like, come on, this is church, we shouldn't be dropping elves out of sailings. I mean, like, you know, maybe you're getting a little bit of an insight into why we do some of the crazy things that we do because we want to be a church that unchurched people love to attend. But the second half of that is we want to be a church where Christians can grow deep in their faith. You see, we don't think it has to be one or the other. We think that you guys who are more mature, Or, I don't even really like that word, but you've, let's just say you've been around it longer. You've grown deeper in your relationship. Um, We want you guys to get something out of us. We are not a, like, beginner church where you come here and you kind of get saved, then you go somewhere else where you can really grow, right? We're not that church. We don't want to be that church. If I ever found that out, it would break my heart. We want to reach you. We want to keep you. We want to grow together. We want to be used by God together with you. And we think that there's just so many awesome opportunities for that to happen. And so we're going to not compromise the messages. We're not going to stop preaching the Word of God. We're not going to stop worshiping. We're not going to stop our prayer time. We had like an expert tell us that if we want to reach people, we got to stop doing our prayer time at the end of service. I'm like, did you realize this is a church, right? You know, and that people are experiencing God in that time. And so, you know, we're not going to compromise. We want you to grow deep in your faith. We want you to know God well. But we think that Jesus was great at both. We think that Jesus loved both. And we think that we should be about what He is about. So that is our vision. We know not everybody's going to like it, and we're okay with it. We know that there's a lot of other churches on Long Island, and and there's going to be a lot of people who don't like our vision. Well, that's great, because there's 95% of the churches on Long Island that are doing church a different way, and it's not we're right and they're wrong. It's just different and different vision, right? And so we're not putting down any church. We're rooting for every church on Long Island, believing God could do huge things through all different ministries you know what it takes a church like ours to reach a certain kind of people and it takes the church like every other church out there to reach a different kind of person so we get that this isn't us first them okay we're all part of the same thing we want to see god do some amazing things on long island so we know that we're going to catch all the people that don't like the way church is being done and a lot of the other churches and that's okay with us we know we're going to turn some people off with our fajitas and our elves and our loud music and stuff but we're okay with that if people come to know jesus because of it um we also know, and something that we've learned, which is really exciting, is that the person who loves the kind of vision that we have at this church is not a certain age. You know, that's one of the, the things out there, oh, it's just for young people, it's just for young people. we have a lot of young people, but we really don't do much things different, or do things much differently in the morning services. We really, you know, in a lot of ways, do things just like we do here. And we have a ton of people that are a lot older than a lot of you guys. And I've been loving seeing Collision grow to all different age groups. We've got parents coming now. We have families coming. We have engaged couples and married couples. We have some grandparents, Andrew's grandma rocking it hard. I love that. You know, let's keep that rolling. We're going to make her a mascot and get pins. And anyway, um, but we're, we're really pumped. We're really pumped to see that it's not an age group. It's not a certain stage of faith. It's not like, oh, well, the new, the new people go there. No, it's, it's, it's like, I mean, I'll put it this way. I'm 35 years old, been in church my whole life. This is the church I'd want to go to if I was a plumber or an electrician or somebody else like that. If, if I didn't do what I did, this is where I'd want to go. So I'm excited to say that, man, we, we have a church that I love, that a lot of our staff love, and that we believe there's a lot of people on Long Island will will love. And so we're pumped about that. So what about, our, what about our mission? And this is where it gets incredibly personal for you guys, okay? If you're listening and going, well, that's great, Doug. That's great, Doug. What does this have to do with me? This is where it gets very, very personal because our mission, and this is where it comes down to you, is to help people center their lives around Jesus. And this be, may be something that some of you guys are more familiar with. Our mission is to help people center their lives around Jesus. Now, that sounds nice, right? Sounds like a good idea. But if I told you, okay, guys, go center your life around Jesus, come back next week, we'll talk. You'd be like, I prayed this week, I read my Bible, does that count? Like, I don't know how to center my life around Jesus. Like, what does that look like? Well, what we've done as a staff is we've talked and prayed together and said, what does it look like for us to do this? What what are some steps people can take so that we can measure our lives against and say, yeah, man, I am on that. I am on that journey of centering my life around Jesus. Or I'm not, or I need to work on this area of my life. And now let me make something really clear before I ever tell you what any of these steps are. These steps, these things I'm about to tell you, listen, please, do not save you. Okay, everybody on the same page with that? The things I'm gonna tell you do not save you. So if you're here tonight going, how do I get saved? Oh, I do those five things? No, Jesus saves you. That's it, end of story. Jesus saves you. It's about knowing him, loving him, believing in him, that's it, okay? Now, the things we're gonna talk about are things you do in response to the fact that you know and love Jesus. My wife and I like to go out. We have kids, so it happens once a century, but, uh, because I've lived many (laughs) centuries, but uh, we, we love to go out. But you know, when we go out, I'm not trying to earn love from her by going out with her. I do love her. We are in a marriage relationship, and so therefore, let's go out and let's have fun, Okay? And it's a response, I'll buy her flowers, I'll do this and I'll do that because I do love her and I'm already in the relationship. I'm not trying to earn or buy her love. And it's the same thing here. When we're talking about centering our lives around Jesus, we're not trying to buy God's love or earn something from God or like, do enough good to outweigh all the bad from yesterday and last week. No, it's just about saying, God, you love me. You gave yourself, you died on a cross and you rose again. So here's what I will do because I wanna know you better. I wanna be as close to you as I possibly can be. And so these are things that we think help people center their lives around Jesus. The first one, if you've been around for a while, I slightly tweaked actually, it's learn and apply. Learn and apply. We think it's really important that you learn about God, but that you don't just learn about God, that you apply what you learn. If you're here tonight and you're not a follower of Jesus, there's a good chance, a big reason you're not a follower of Jesus is because of hypocrisy. You've seen people who say they're Christians and then they live nothing like you think God Would actually live. And you know what? That's because so many times Christians learn, but they don't apply. In fact, the guys who put Jesus on the cross, right, in the first century, the religious people, they were brilliant. They knew, many of them had tons of the Old Testament completely memorized. The first five books, I'm sorry, the Old Testament completely memorized. So they knew God. They knew his word. But did they apply it? Did they say, all right, God, would you change me with this? Would you help me to live this? So, so I don't know that they knew God as much as they knew about God. And so what we're, we're trying to do here, man, every time we preach, every time we have a community group, every time we have a worship set or whatever we do, we are aiming at something. You know what that is? It's not knowledge. It's life change. Do we want you to learn? Absolutely. I love for people to walk out of here going, man, that really hit me. I needed that so badly. It's like you were talking right to me tonight. I just so badly needed this. But more than that, what's exciting to me is when people go, man, a few months ago, something was said here, and I learned something new. And the last several months, I've been applying it in my life, and everything changed. That's what gets me really, really excited. Because God wants us not just to know stuff, but then to apply what we know. So maybe this is the next step for you. Maybe you're you're looking at your life, saying, okay, I want to center my life around Jesus. And maybe a lot of you guys know a lot. But man, maybe it's time to really apply what you know. Maybe for some of you you don't know that much yet. You just haven't been around church that much, you haven't been around God that much, whatever. Maybe it's time to learn. You know, we're we're aiming at learning here today. We're aiming at learning and growing and applying at community groups. We have Bibles we'll give you in the lobby. We'll help you learn how to read the Bible, we'll help you learn how to study it for yourself. We want you to get it inside your heart. We want you to apply it. And so maybe that's the next step for some of you guys. The next one is experience. We think it's a huge deal that you guys and me, that we all experience God for ourselves. So often, Christians gather in a building like this, right? And we sing some songs and we hear some dude talk and then we go home pretty much the same way that we came, right? Well, we think that, man, that's not what it should be like, that God should be doing some real things in our lives, and one of the things I love about our prayer time, which is one of the ways we, we say, all right, you want to experience God? Here, come on up. I mean, at the end of every service, Andrew says, we have a prayer team right here, ready to pray for you. And I'm here just here to report that when people come up, God is doing some stuff. When people come up, God is working. I got to sit in and pray with one of our prayer team people last week, Steph. And we were just sitting there praying, and, and a young woman came up, and uh, before we prayed for her we just said you know what don't tell us what you need prayer for can we just pray can we just ask god to do something cool and so she said yeah let's do it so we just sat there quiet and we just said god just lead this prayer time and i i began to feel like god just put something on my heart no voices no you know nothing crazy and all the intelligent lights didn't spill out words in the ceiling or anything right i just began to feel in my heart like god was saying something and so i just prayed just real quiet god this that this that you know And then Steph did the same thing. And we opened our eyes. This young woman had tears in her eyes. She said, those two things you guys just prayed is exactly what I'm going through. And you know what happened? She just experienced God. She just saw God knows what she's going through and wanted her to know that he knows what she's going through and spoke right to those situations. And we've seen God do that time after time after time. And there's a million ways to experience God, to pray and to see and answer prayer, to just have a supernatural peace like you've never had before, like we talked about a few weeks ago, to begin to have satisfaction or joy. Joy in God is huge. When God begins to make a tangible difference in your life, you're experiencing God. And it's so vital because it brings all the learning and the knowledge and the stuff we have in our head, it brings all that to life. And it gives it some life, okay? So experience is huge. Worship, worship's big. We love to worship inside this room. That's when we're singing to God songs of love. But you know what? Beyond songs, God wants a lifestyle of love, right? Outside these walls, he wants us to worship him. I need to worship him with the way I treat my wife the way I treat my kids, the way I interact with my parents, the way that I interact with my boss, with my coworkers, with those under me. I need to honor God and, and show him I love him and worship him with the images I look at on a screen, with the music I listen to, with the movies I watch, with my integrity at the workplace, right? All these different things. And maybe this is the next step for some of you guys. Maybe you've seen God loves you and you've experienced God and you're growing in some knowledge, but man, it's time to begin to say, all right, God, now I wanna show you my love and I'm gonna show you in the way that I interact with my spouse or in our dating relationship, this needs to change because I love God and I wanna worship him in the context of this dating relationship, whatever it might be for you. Worship is a huge deal. Connecting, connecting with people who are on the same journey that you are in their relationship with God, connecting. It's a huge deal. A lot of you guys are single. Some of you guys are married. Some of you guys are older and have kids. And it's so important that we are with people consistently that are in a similar stage of life that we are, and we can encourage each other. It's really important. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus, it's so important. Maybe some of you guys are like, I don't ever buy the bald guy on stage. Don't buy anything he says. Maybe one of the most powerful things you could do is just get into a small group, a community group with people your age, and begin to just talk life, and begin to see the difference God made in their life. You can join a community group. You don't have to be a follower of Jesus. You can walk in there and, man, just begin to share life with these people and see, see what happens, because it's so powerful. I'm in a group with all parents. Right now, we're studying parenting. God, help us. We're reading books, and we're praying and fasting. Lord Jesus, help us. And, and uh, parenting's tough, man. But I was sitting in the back of the room here Wednesday night with our community group, and we were talking, and we were just kind of just sharing some of our struggles. Say, man, this is how this unfolded this week and this is how I responded wrongly and this is what my son or daughter did and this is what we we just need you to pray for us. Could you pray for us? And then some of the other parents say, oh, my kids do that too. And it's like, oh, thank God, it's not just us. And you know, like the whole thing, you know? But man, that support group in that stage of life was so, so important. And so maybe for some of you, your next step is getting connected in a community group or a small group. And again, if you don't come to this church, do it at your church. You know, get connected with people, even if it's not officially like, oh, we have a small group ministry. Get some people together around your age group, your stage of life, and meet with them and do life together. It's so, so, so important. The last one is serve. And serving is a huge, huge deal. Jesus came to serve us. And so a changed life has a heart to serve, all right? All right. Now, this is the one I'm really excited about sharing with you tonight because we have some new opportunities. Before I get there, I'll just say, inside these walls, we have some awesome teams. We have a parking team, we have a greeting team, security team, childcare team, cafe team, production team, prayer team, band, probably missing someone, don't hate me. We have great teams around here. We would love for you to jump on some teams. We would love for you to tell us what you're passionate about and we'd love to get you more involved. Having said that, We have some amazing opportunities for outside these walls. Jesus went outside the walls, didn't he? Jesus went out where the people were and he began to look and he began to find people like Matthew outside the walls, didn't he? And so we have some great opportunities, three opportunities. The first one is we're gonna continue to help those that are in need with Hurricane Sandy. I've been talking about that ever since it happened. We're gonna go back out. We're looking at working with Samaritan's Purse this time around and just helping people. Believe it or not, there's still people in great need with that. Second opportunity is something called Long Island Youth Mentoring. And uh, there's a guy named Larry Robb and his son and daughter-in-law come to this church, Nick and Lyndon, and they're going to be out in the lobby. Many of you guys already saw the sign out there. But Long Island Youth Mentoring is an amazing ministry. And here's what they ask. They ask you to take a year of your life and to commit to spending two to four hours a week with a teenager that is in need comes from a bad background, comes from a place where there's not a mom and a dad or a stable home. And I know the word mentor sounds scary, right? Like you're like, I can't even get my own life under control. How can I mentor someone else? Or can I sign up and be mentored? You know, no, you can't, okay? But we need some help because here's the deal. There's about 200 kids right now being mentored And it's awesome. Larry and the ministry have basically gone to churches all throughout Long Island. So this is not like a one church thing. This is many different people from many different churches saying, I would do that. I'll go and do that, you know, be that for a kid for a year. And so you have 200 of these kids being mentored already, but there's a waiting list of about 200 as well. People who've signed up and said, I need a mentor or my child needs somebody in their life. Someone who's in a relationship with God. And so, man, here's the strategy here. The strategy is not show up at their, you know, their house the first day and you know, tell them, okay, read through the book of Matthew and give me your notes, you know, check the Greek and the Hebrew and get back to me. You know? There's no Hebrew on Matthew. It was New Testament, it was in Greek. Anyway, um, so uh, that would be a good trick though, just to see if they're paying attention. Um, but that, uh, that is not the strategy. The strategy is, guess what? Show up the first week. And be someone who's consistent in their life because most of these kids don't have someone who show up in their life. And then you do that the next week and time goes on and before you know it, you've built a friendship and they trust you. And then you begin to share how God's changed your life. And you know what? It's not on you whether they become a Christian or not. You just get to share your life with them. And so an amazing opportunity out there. They'll train you, they'll set you up with the kid and the opportunity is right there in the lobby. Nick and Linden will be out there after the service. You can get some info. uh, Third option, and this is really fun, Uh, our buddy Steph Walsh, who comes here, she leads worship at Deeper. She was up here leading worship last week with Andrew. And Steph has had a heart to reach out to the homeless. She has a real heart for the homeless on Long Island. Uh, There are people that live in the woods in tents. I know we can't imagine that or fathom that, but it's true. And so her heart is basically to go to an established place down in Brentonwood. We're not just gonna start trudging through the woods, okay? Uh, We're gonna find through uh, the different you know, legal means and the different, uh, basically the boards down there in Brentwood find some ways to be able to connect with a consistent spot. And the vision that she has is this, to go there for now once a month and start out bringing food. And again, just establishing trust. We're not there. We're not gonna set up a band. Andrew's not gonna be there rocking out the first day and we're not gonna do the evidence series and put a chair together, you know. We are just gonna go and we're just gonna love people and we're just gonna show them the love of God. We're gonna give them food. And before you know it, again, relationships, are built. And so there's three aspects to this team, three ways you can help. The first one is we need people who can cook. So guys, shut up. Uh, girls, we need, the, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, we need some people who can cook some meals, all right? We need some people that can, that can really bake some things, cook some things, and then bring them to the church. It doesn't even have to be on Saturday. We can save them. We can do whatever we got to do. But we need some people that can cook and get food here. Second, we need people that will then take that food out on this Saturday, I don't remember if I said this or not, but we want to see it come to the point where it's a weekly Saturday thing. Right now it's going to be once a month. But we're looking to see, all right, can we get some people here that will go out and begin to build these relationships? And thirdly, and this is all of us, we can all do this. When we go shopping, grab an extra tube of toothpaste, a toothbrush, some deodorant, a few of those items that we can give out to these people. And so there are those three aspects to that team. What we need from you tonight is we're right at the grassroots level of this. We need you to meet Steph out by the lobby if you're interested in any of those three options. She's going to take your name and email and we're going to continue to talk about how this is all going to play out. Probably what we will do is we're going to go out through the summer once a month with Steph's grandma who established a ministry like this in another church out east forever ago and has been doing it every week for years and years and years. We'll probably do that a few times with them to learn from them, and then we'll go out and do our own thing come September. But that's going to be something that she's going to kind of help talk you guys through. But that's an amazing, amazing, amazing opportunity. So serving may be, I think, a next step for a lot of us, a lot of us, with all these different opportunities to reach people with the love of God. So I've talked you through our vision. I've talked you through our mission. Uh, A couple things about this. You see how these are all arrows, right? You see how it doesn't say learn and apply on top, number one, experience, number two, worship, number three. It's not steps. And then when you get down to serve, you graduate and we hold the ceremony, ceremony and have a cake for you and say, great, you, you've centered your life around Jesus, have fun. No, this, see those arrows, these are things we need to continue to do for the rest of our lives, okay? I've done all those things on that screen and I need to continue to do all those things for the rest of my life. And I was even thinking about it, we're going to do all those things for all eternity too, aren't we? We're gonna continue to learn about God. We're gonna experience him. We're gonna worship him. We're gonna connect with others and we're gonna serve the rest of our lives in in eternity. I think that's pretty neat that we get a head start on that now. And so these things are really, really important. And if you've been around, you know my cheesy uh, acronym that I came up with to help us remember it. It works. It's horrible. It's not an English word. But uh, if you take the first letter of learn, experience, worship, connect, serve, you get? Thank you. See, you remembered it. You remembered it. It's terrible, but you remembered it. It's not a word, but you can grab that and remember it. And I hope that this, again, sticks in your heart. It doesn't leak. I hope that we can say, all right, as a church, this is what we're going to stick to. And so two questions, then we pray. First question, what's your next step when it comes to helping us become a church that unchurched people love to attend and where Christians can grow deep in your faith? What's your next step? Because there's some great steps for you to take. One is invite people who need Jesus. Another one is be welcoming. Just when you're here, you don't have to be on the greeting team to Be welcoming. Just be welcoming, be helpful, be friendly to those that come in. Like I talked about last week, giving. Giving translates into changed lives, right? And serving. Next question, and this is really personal for you guys. What's your next step when it comes to centering your life around Jesus? What is your next step? Is it to learn and apply? Is it to say, all right God, that's where I'm at right now. I need to learn more about you and then apply what I learned. Is it to experience God? you need to be in a crowd to God? God, I just need to be experiencing you in new ways. Maybe you've experienced God many times in your life, but it's been a long time. Just God, I need to see you at work in my life in a new, awesome way. Worship. What areas of our life do we need to say, all right, God, I'm gonna worship you with my lifestyle. I'm gonna change this. This is what needs to change. It's that dating relationship. It's that habit. It's that way I talk to my parent or my spouse or my, my child. I wanna worship you. I wanna show you my love. Connect. Some of you guys need to connect. You need to you know, just take the step to even walk into the cafe tonight and ask God, God, would you connect me with some people who need to have the guts and make the space. Guys, I know I'm real busy. I'm real busy. I'm right there with you in the real world where we're all so busy. But I'll tell you, I'm so thankful that I carve the hour and a half out of every other week that my community group meets to be there and to sit with those other fellow parents and get that support and prayer and encouragement. It's so great. And so you guys, maybe some of you need to carve that time out and make that a priority. And lastly, serve. Amazing opportunities to serve, some, some ground roots type things, some brand new things for our church. Really excited about those things. So what is your next step? You see, because here's what I think. If, if we would take this seriously, not just the staff, not just our team, not just our volunteers, if we, you, all of us together would take this seriously, even those of you from other churches, man, we would be a bunch of people whose lives are centered around Jesus And I think we could just change Long Island. I think we could see God do something unprecedented. And I think we need it, don't we? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this night. Thank you, God, for all the different opportunities that we have right now. So, if you're a Christian, would you pray through something with me? Would you just ask God what I just asked you? What's your next step? God, is it to learn? Or is it to apply what I've learned? Is it to experience you? Is it to worship you at my lifestyle? Is it to connect with you or with others that are going after you? Is it to serve? Would you pray through that right now? We just ask God to show you very clearly what his heart is for you. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, like I said, I've been saying all night, we're so glad that you're here. And what you need to be reminded of real quickly is what we heard tonight. And you know what you heard? You heard that there was this guy named Matthew who was the worst of the worst, way worse than you and I. And Jesus looked at him and said, I love you and I want you. Would you follow me? And his life was transformed because of grace and mercy. You know what else you heard? You heard that Jesus saves, only him. Not your works, not what you could do. And lastly, what you heard is that Matthew, who gave his life, said that he saw Jesus put on a cross, put in the grave, and then raised back from the dead. And then he gave his life saying that was true. And so maybe, maybe he is alive. Maybe he could change your life. Maybe he does love you just like you are right now. And you could begin to look to him and then see how your life begins to change as you center your life around him. So if you wanna begin a relationship with him, would you pray something like this? Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for wanting me. Thank you that my sin doesn't rule me out. Thank you that you wanted a low life like Matthew. Thank you that your love for every person in this room is evidence that none of us are too sinful for your love. God, would you just help me to know you for who you are? Would you help me to see how real you are? Would you forgive me my sin? And help me to center my life around you.